Talk Recorded live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pro Theatico. Good to be with you tonight. Um, we're just going to be biblicating. I'm sitting here randomly trying to pick something to talk about, but that's a good stuff. Uh, that's 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 a good thing to do. Um, to just you know sit around and uh, talk about the Bible, much like uh, me and Paul did last night. And I didn't get anything deeply. Uh, today I posted on a social networking site uh, uh, a little piece of key uh, concerning that crown that we mentioned last night in the Delich New Testament that extenuates, um, of course, into the Masoretic text. Uh, but there's also uh, some things that we need to take a look at, the difference between the Hebrew and the Greek that is uh, magnificently uh, important uh, for us to recognize the difference. Uh, you'll take note uh, that in the Masoretic text, you get to a lot of psalms that say some very strange things. And like the New American Standard Bible, it will show you a footnote <laughs> uh, that uh, says... Uh, for the choir director on stringed instruments. And it'll usually give a little diatribe with that. Uh, but I want everybody to uh, realize that that is not altogether uh, what the uh, Septuagint uses. And actually, it's not that at all, uh, not even a little bit. So, when you take a look at that, uh, in the Septuagint, of course, that, that means something very important. He, he starts out these with, Es Ketulos. That means only one thing. It means to or at the end. For the end. That's, that's what it means. So, literally speaking, um, now, the Thompson uh, doesn't do this. It says, for the conclusion. That's what it says. But, uh, tilios uh, means what it means. It, it means the end, uh, the termination point, shall we say. Now, a lot of people uh, that you've probably heard, uh, any type of biblical uh, teacher, or pastor, uh, you're never going to hear this because they never even take a look at the Greco Bible source code. But it's very important uh, that you know that he starts these psalms out with with that phrase. It is important. That is uh, G fifty fifty six. It means the conclusion, the final act. And this is all over the Psalms. And it's pretty important that you realize uh, that these Psalms are designed for the end. Now, I know that, uh, oh, there was a couple of years ago that uh, it was going around, of course, that there's no prophecy in Psalms. They're, they're not prophecy. Well, of course, that's a joke. Uh, all scripture is prophetic. That's why it was written. Uh, 
<coughs> but didn't, why don't didn't we you take... say that? Didn't you say that all their psalms that um, what did you say? That's the reason that they are a psalm is because they are prophetic. That's right. That that's the reason. It's it, it it's just like lamentations. Uh, they are written that way because they are prophecy. So when you start looking at them, um, you know, like I like I said, when you switch over to uh, the Masoretic text, okay, uh, it has a special implication there because that's H uh, 5320. Nine, but it adds a, a prefix lemon there. But you need to know that, that that means it means to glitter, a sparkle like a star. That's what it means. Uh, so it's it it means a whole lot more than they're saying, and they just put in there. Well, that must mean to the chief musician. <laughs> okay, that they just kind of throw that in there. And then, of course, the, the, the next word is uh, H58. Nagana. Uh, uh, it's Nagana. And, well, that can mean a lot. They say that it can mean a string instrument, a poem set to music, of course, but it is an epigram. That's that's what it is, an, an, an epigram in, in, in our language. So, you can only see this whenever you look into the original text. You're not going to be able to get it into English unless, like I said, you have a copy of the Britons and realize that it translates it correctly. Uh, it says, for the end, a song of David among the Psalms. So you're going to take note that obviously uh, major uh, prophetic things is going to be talked about here. It doesn't matter uh, if we're talking about the Hebrew or the Greek. It doesn't matter. When he uses uh, this phraseology, um, literally, uh, David is relaying <laughs> a prophecy that has been set to sonnet. Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, this ties part and parcel with uh, King Saul calling David to play the harp for him because it calmed down the wicked spirit uh, that God had afflicted Saul with. So you could say, by any stretch of the imagination, that what was soothing the spirit within Saul is for these spirits to be reminded of what is to come. There is no altercation in that fact. None. So, so Paul... I was yeah, go say, ahead, before, before we get too far... What is the what is the document, the commentary that the ancient Jewish scholars wrote? I know that has a name, and I can't remember it right off the top of my head. Well, there's the Mishnah. You mean that? I mean, um, there's many. I haven't heard the word Mishnah before. It's But they're the ones who said the Psalms are prophecy. It's not something well, that yeah. you're pulling. That, that's not something that you're just pulling out of your hat. Well, yeah, they've said that for 
The ancient Jewish scholars wrote commentaries, and they said Psalms is prophecy. Well, yeah, they've, they've always made that emphatic. It was never not prophecy. Well, I just want to make that clear. It's not something that you're bringing up as something new. Well, like I said, he just come out and said it. Yeah. And it doesn't doesn't matter which way you look at it, in the Hebrew or the Greek, God came out and says it. This is this is a prophetic epigram for the future. Well, he literally says for the end. That's what he says for the end. Um, and like I said, the end. That is something extremely far away. That's something that glitters or sparkles, like a star, or like um, if you're wearing something metal and you're, you know, a mile away, or even looking at an airplane that's in the sky. Every so often, you'll be at the right angles to to see the sun glitter off of it. That's that's what it means to sparkle. So, sort of like a uh, a simple candle. If it's pitch black, you can see that right. from 10 miles away. That's that's right. Exactly. Uh, well, this is why he used, of course, uh, putting your candle underneath the bushel. And you and I talked about that last time we were on, I think, or maybe it was the time before that, that there's no real reason or rhyme to putting a shade over a light. Um, if you want light, just take the lampshade off, you'll have a whole lot more light. It dims the light. It distorts it. It Well, at any rate, uh, keep your ears open uh, for things that's going to be said here in this very short eight verses. Just eight verses. So it's not very long, uh, Psalms chapter 4, so it's something that we can just sit down and talk about. I, and I think it would be good if we did so. Um, now maybe... Uh, maybe, perhaps, uh, we're going to get into this a little bit, but uh, I really don't want to. Uh, I think that uh, I think me and Paul should just talk about the plainness of a text like we did last night. You know, I got uh, 10 or 12 correspondences this morning. People were shocked that that Paul and I just talk very normally, and they realized that right there, sitting the whole time, was how the woman might know when it's time for her to flee. And, ladies and gentlemen, I you should have heard that decades ago. It, it's plain. Just read it. I don't understand... Why Christians today will only read a particular set of verses after they've been given commentary about it. Look, I don't read uh, the fourth chapter of the Psalms because somebody told me to or they started teaching about it and they said, all right, open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 4. No, 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 no. I already know what Psalm chapter 4 says. Because, you know, I was taught from the beginning that, um, well, like I've I've told you all, John Blue in the face, I was not allowed to do commentaries. I was only allowed 
to read the Bible and the encyclopedia. That was it. Now, of course, I could go to the library and, and look up the old news articles and stuff like that too. But history, basically, encyclopedia, and the Bible. So, so maybe that's what everybody's problem is, has been sending me messages. That's your problem because you went to watch a YouTube video or something, and these people right from the get-go was explaining to you Psalms chapter 4 when you'd never read it yourself. So, of course your mind is going to follow the path they lead you down because you've never read it yourself before. You have no idea what it says. You don't care what it says. The only reason why you care about Psalms chapter 4 is because this guy that's getting paid a god-awful amount of money to jet-set around the globe on his vacation every year and drive a Lexus, you only care about it because he told you to, all right, turn in your Bibles to that chapter, and I'm going to tell you what it means. So, because you don't know what Psalms chapter 4 says already, because of that, <laughs> look, do you know anything about psychology? Your mind is going to go wherever he takes you. And one of the most important things you need to realize is, is that you just butted the Holy Spirit out of the equation. You're not, you're not going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't lie to me. I know human psychology. It's too late for that. The only way that the Holy Spirit could have explained to you what Psalms chapter 4 was talking about is if you would have cared about it to read about it and study about it and to contemplate on it, and then he himself would have instructed you that it most emphatically is concerning what is to come. But now you don't have that chance. Don't you understand? You butted the Holy Spirit out of the out of the equation from the beginning. I think it's more a case of people read it, and it seems a little bit confusing. And then somebody steps in and says, "Let me tell you what it really means," and that's where the problem comes in. Because that person that steps in and says, "Let me tell you what it really means." doesn't know what it means, doesn't care what it means. They have their own preconceived idea, and so they're going to lead you down the same path of error that they've been on for the last four or five decades. And <laughs> four or five decades. Yeah. Well, that's why, Paul, I don't say that. I'm going to tell you what it says. I'm not going to tell you what it means. I will tell you what it says. And it's probably a good thing that I did tell everybody that that's the Greek phrase this uh, starts with. It ain't got nothing to do with And believe me, in the Greek language, when this is written 3,000 years ago, they, they had choir directors. Okay, so… They would have known what to wrote for quiet. That's not what it says. It says for the end. I now, am glad that you got correspondence because sometimes I think it's just you and me chatting and, and you know, that's all the further it goes. So I'm glad you got correspondence. But would you what? like me to read chapter 
I said, I am glad you got correspondence over last night's chat because sometimes I think it's just, you know, you and me out there. But uh, really? if you'd like, I'll read Chapter 4. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll read Chapter 4 here in a second. But uh, okay. I hope you realize that uh, you you don't realize that everything I do goes around the world, do you? We have, um, Paul, we have private forums in multiple countries, and they go through a fantastic amount of work to, they will transco, or they will transcribe all my stuff into their native languages so they can study it on their private forums without fear of being attacked by these wacko Americans. On one I mean, level, I, I know that, but on another level, a lot of times it just seems like it's just you and me and sometimes John just chatting. I hear you. I understand. But, but, uh, I'm, but I'm glad. Uh, if they're listening, that means that I'm doing something useful by engaging. It's not just Not just uh, edifying myself. Oh, oh, oh no! You're not just edifying yourself. I, I assure you that by the time the sun rose this morning, oh, it had probably already been listened at least forty thousand times. Wonderful. A- at least, because that's how they usually do it. Because here, you know, we're doing it of an evening. But the first thing they get up, they will download it and put it inside their their private forum so they can immediately start working on it because they won't get to see what I've said for maybe a week. It it may take them that long, and that's why they've been yelling and screaming at me not to do such long shows because it's it's taken – you know the Germans, I know they they complain about it. It's taken them three weeks to translate what I said, and then by that time I've done held four more shows, and they're upset. And they feel like that, you know, Matthew don't care about uh, people in other countries. No, that's not true. So that's why I've been – I haven't done those three-hour broadcasts since then. Um, now, when he, now when he, uh, whenever Brian and I does a video, of course, I, you know, we need to get Brian when we can have him. So Brian and I will go on as long as necessary. And they know that, so so they know when I'm doing stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's that's why I, I don't normally do these three-hour broadcasts anymore because it's it's mean to them. Because by the time they hear about what I'm talking about, it's done a month gone by because they're so far behind, you know. So if I try to keep it maximum to two hours, you know, they can. They can keep up. Now, what will what's really phenomenal is like, uh, well, the Koreans they're they're phenomenal. They'll they'll have my stuff transcribed in in a couple of days and posted it on the site, and everybody everybody commenting commenting about it. The only bad thing about it is I have no idea what they're saying, so I guess it could be bad, but I know it's not. I don't I don't have to know Korean. I can. 
I know what the Lord's doing. He's he's well, doing what he does. Time is short. You right. want to get as much information as quickly as reasonable out there. Well, well I, I, I know this. You know, I very seldomly do I direct the Americans to translate anything. But you can bet your bottom dollar that now that all of them uh, are able to get uh, you know the Greek and the Hebrew, they're doing their own translation. So when I make reference to a scripture, like tonight, they will have this translated from the Greek. They'll have a group working on it in the Greek. They'll have a group working on it in the Hebrew. And they will have that in their own translation within a week or two. Because they have to, because now they realize that, oh crap, our translation was made from some, uh, you know, uh, Methodist uh, missionary that, well, heck, they were Calvinists. I mean, they're not, you know, so they realize they have to get their own translation. And they're doing it. So anyway, uh, let us get to the text, baby. Batter up. Uh, Psalms, the fourth chapter. Uh, what you going to read it out of, Paul? Uh-oh. Paul, oh, I still got you? Yeah, uh, I've got the 1599 right in front of me. Sorry, I forgot to take myself off mute. Do it. Do it. Cool. Psalms chapter 4. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast set me at liberty. When I was in distress, have mercy upon me and hearken unto my prayers. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame, loving vanity and seeking lies? So I. For be ye sure that the Lord hath chosen to himself a godly man. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Tremble and sin not. Examine your own heart upon your bed and be still. Salah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many say, who will show us any good? But Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast given me more joy of heart than they have had when their wheat and their wine did abound. I will lay me down and also sleep in peace for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. And that's, you know, well, <laughs> many people, that's their favorite verse there, verse 8, you know. Let me down that I might sleep in peace. Um, you know, this is one of the things that most Americans really take for granted, being able to sleep in peace, to dwell in safety. Um, makes me think of an article I've seen today where uh, in one of the refugee camps, major riot broke out amongst the refugees. They were clobbering each other with you know, cast iron pipes and 
planks of wood. So I want to say that right now, you know, that's 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 one of the most magnificent magnificent promises that we have. Being able to lie down and sleep in peace, dwell in safety. And that's that's pretty important. Even verse 7, I've been there. God has given me more joy of heart than a full belly. And... And a little wine. Amen. Because I know God always has my back, no matter what. No matter who else doesn't, I know God has my back. Well, it's getting bad for a lot of people, I guess. I I just watched uh, Gary Walton's uh, The Big Wobble his uh, weekly broadcast and I think it was Canada and I don't don't hold my feet to the fire on that but some places just declared uh, a state of emergency I think it's Canada someplace in Canada because just all of a sudden uh, suicides are going off the chart um, Gary made mention that the last one was an 11 year old that tried to commit suicide so The rubber's going to eventually hit the road, Paul, and it's going to do so with quite a jolt, I think. You know, we can just back up on this. I mean, verse 6, there will be many that say who will show us any good. You know, ladies and gentlemen... (laughs) Does any of you realize the ramifications that this verse constitutes? Ladies and gentlemen, this is a direct quote, of course. Well, you you all remember when Jesus said, do good works while it's day. For the night is coming when no good deed can be done. I hope all of you realize that's why Christ said that was because of Psalm chapter 4, verse 6. That's why he said that. And right now, that's fairly well where you're at. I mean, Paul, what's going to happen if you break down on the road? Do you you remember back in the, you know, 70s and 80s when within minutes somebody would pull over to help you? Uh, Yeah, in fact, I did that yesterday. Really? Um, We were, you know, 20 miles from nowhere coming back from... uh, Friend's appointment, and there was a car. It wasn't even completely off the road. So always were on, and 
I didn't pull over, but in this age of cell phones, I pulled over and, you know, I got out and the gal just stepped out and said, you know, I just said, is there a problem? And she said, don't worry. I called my mom, tow trucks on the way. But 20 years ago, there weren't cell phones. That's right. And nowadays, nobody's going to pull over to help you. Agreed. I mean, you're, you're a fluke. I mean, the last time it happened with me, the guy said, well, it's 100 bucks for a jump. And I said, well, I don't have $100. She got it, got in his truck and left. But anyway, this is this is common knowledge that people won't won't pull over to help anymore. Um, and really, you know, verse six there. Um, if you've lived for a while, you know, I'm almost fifty now. You know, I've been there where I've been betrayed by by church, by work, by other family. I've gotten to that point where I know that I need the Lord to lift up the light of thy countenance upon me because in the end, he has my back. You know, I'm not saying everyone, but Oftentimes it seems like you, when you are in the crunch spot, uh, the people that you thought you could rely on aren't there. Just like 20 years ago, if you put your boys on, you could guarantee that the next person that passed you would stop, and that is no longer true. Yes. Unfortunately, that is no longer true. And, you know, here in the English, you know, you just just said it. Lift up the light of your continents. Ladies and gentlemen, why is he referring to light coming from below? Why is he referring to lifting up light of his face. Shouldn't it say the opposite? Shouldn't it say the opposite? May your light shine down upon us? Paul? It would seem that it should, and yeah, now that you pointed that out, that is interesting. I mean, yeah, it kind of sticks you in the eye, don't it, once you see it. Once you perceive what he's saying, it kind of sticks you in the eye. You're like, wait a minute. Why would God say that? Why would God be instructing his children? Well, like I said, Christ warned us of this time. He warned us of this time that the night would fall. 
where no good deed can be done. And we would know that was coming. He's expecting you to realize that this phraseology is in reference to the time he was talking about. (coughs) Excuse me. So, night is falling because he's lifting up his light? No. He will lift... You will ask for this only when that point in time has been achieved. When darkness falls, this one, verse 6, is going to be answered. Okay. He's wanting you to see it. I I mean, you realize that this verse ends... I mean, the English, of course, says, you know, Lord or... God, you know, oh Lord, lift up. Now, that is God's proper name. That's the last word in this verse. It's God's name. So there's absolutely no reason why he would be lifting up his light to meet us. We sh- he should be above us, right? He should be... Me- it should say, this is what it should say. It should say, may your light shine down upon us. That is not, I repeat, that is not what it says. And the only reason why it says that is because he's expecting you to know what his son is going to say. Of course, way after David had already pinned this. Now you know the context that Jesus said that. Now it kind of, well, let's, let's use that phraseology again. Now it makes sense. Whereas before, you didn't even see it. Even though to me it sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, at what point, what, what point would God ever refer to the light of his glory have, <laughs> have to be lifted up to us unless the night has fallen? That's that's it. He he he's pointing you, and that's why he just said that. Well, maybe this is way off in the weeds, but there was one time where our Lord was lifted up. Mm-hmm. That's right. There, Calvary. Amen. 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 Uh, going back to verse 5. Yep, go ahead. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Two different things going on there. Yep, magnificently. Sacrifices of righteousness, which, 
plays part into, again, what he says in John chapter 9. You know what? Maybe I'll read that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, just, just for a break here, just to get context here, I'm going to read uh, John chapter 9. I'm going to read 3, 4, Well, maybe I ought to read six, too. Um, I'm going to start reading verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And they said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Which is by interpretation, sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. So, now that I've read that, and now we're thinking about the verses that we just talked about, now you can kind of put two and two together. Now you understand. Well, of course, the, it's all over the New Testament. You know, what God desires is not the literal sacrifice of, you know, sheep and goats and bullocks. It's righteousness. And to put the trust in the Lord. You know, that's what he did that day whenever he said this. He spit on the ground, you know, made a little bit of mud with the uh, spit, put it on the guy's eyes, said, go wash. Because he was expecting, you know, the context out of what he was speaking about. Psalm chapter 4. He was expecting you to know that you can't do righteousness without putting your trust in the Lord. And of course, I'm sure this is what was being tested all the way to the pool of Shalom by this blind man. What was going through his mind? I wonder. I think John 9, 5 is another important verse that people run right over and don't really understand what that is saying. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Right. Which means there will be a day where he is not in the world. Right. And then will be true darkness. 
That's right. That's right. Well, it might as well work backwards, huh? Okay, verse 4. Tremble and sin not. Examine your own heart upon your bed and be still. So uh, Um, I don't know what that word tremble means in the Greek or the Hebrew. But I'm thinking that has to be important because it says tremble and sin not and just on the face of it, it seems like it's saying be afraid but sin not or be afraid but don't Don't let that fear be a sinful fear. Am I off base there? Well, the immediate thought you should have, you know, you should have first and foremost in your mind a simple fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all understanding. Right? And I've I've always understood that fear meaning respect. Respect of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. Which encompasses a lot of different things, including fear. I mean that whole word, I like to use the word respect, but that's someone you look up to, that's someone that you acknowledge and is an authority. Sort of works into that whole tremble, which is, you know... Yes. If If they say something, I should pay really, really close attention because... I should have a really, really good reason before I just say that doesn't apply to me. And if I think it doesn't apply to me, I should look again and re-examine that because... It probably does. I'm just letting myself get in the way of seeing that. Amen. You know, that's half my problem most of the time. I let myself get in the way. Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah, I hear you. And that's why we always have to re-examine ourselves and constantly reassess. Amen. And suspect our own motives. That's something that I always do, no matter what I do. I, okay, 
Yeah, I know somebody else thought that that was really nice and whatever else, but were my motors really pure? Paul, let me ask you this. Do you realize this verse is quoted in Ephesians? I did not know that. That doesn't surprise me. Why don't you uh, flip over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, because that's what's being quoted from. Be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, off the top of my head, that verse says that there is a way to be angry without being sinful, but probably because that says that, probably in most cases when we are angry, we're engaging in sin in most cases. Well, the reason why there your translation translates that as angry because, well, that is correct because the word, the Hebrew word used here is ragath. I mean, it means to be deeply moved, disturbed, enraged. It also means to quake. And that's why the Delitz New Testament, of course, quotes this. It uses the exact Hebrew words there. So, quake is in tremble. Mm-hmm, yeah, he. It's yeah, same word, same exact form. Because uh, here, it of course has a suffix on it. This way, in this form, it's only in the Hebrew Bible twice. Psalms four, verse four, and Ephesians four twenty six. Doesn't have that prefix, doesn't have this set up anywhere else. So we could look at Psalms 4 4 and say, instead of tremble, anger, and sin not. That's right. And examine your own heart upon your bed, which goes back to um, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Here we are talking about night falling again, aren't we? Yes. Okay. Well, let me read uh, you know, a couple of verses before in Ephesians. Let me start with verse 24. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, I see that. We just read about that, didn't we? Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. We are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sin go down on your anger. Paul, with all this in context, you realize how important Psalms chapter 4 becomes 
Well, that, mm-hmm. that, that verse, that next verse that you did not read, that tells us <laughs> what happens when we don't do what we're instructed. That's right. We're going to give place to the Satan. To the, the devil or Satan. Right. If we engage in unrighteous anger and we let that fester and we let night fall, we're giving Satan a foothold in our life. Well, right. And and literally, tapon is what he says here in the Greek, tapon. That's that's a spot. It's a location. It's literally give Satan a place. Giving him a place. So Yeah. It's it's very important. Um that next verse Which, yeah, reading that, that puts a whole lot more importance on on the preceding verses. Because we always hear that, don't let the sun go down on your anger, and that's where they stop. And it's like, um, the next part's important, because you're going to give Satan a foothold in your life. If you let that happen, and uh, what do they say about giving something an inch? It'll take a mile. It'll take a mile. It'll keep going until you finally straighten up and put a stop to it, but it might take more than a mile before you get to that point. That's correct. That is correct. And and you know, Paul, we talked a little bit about this on the last broadcast. You know, I'm going to get pretty mad when my fellow Christians all of a sudden get this unnatural nationality when they get this uncommon camaraderie. I know it's going to upset me. I know it is. I know I'm going to get very angry when somebody, you know, yeah, you should go to war and we should kill a bunch of, you know, a bunch of people because, you know, this country don't spot, you know, don't sponsor abortion. Well, they won't let men go into, you know, women's restrooms. I know I'm going to get mad. I don't think I know. I know I know. So the key to this, do not sin. (laughs) And by all means... Don't let the sun go down on that anger. 
This is going to take a whole lot more than any of us are prepared for, I do believe. Well, the flip side of that, righteous anger is okay, but if it's that's where you really need to examine yourself. If it's not righteous anger, then you better fix that flip. Don't even let the sun go down on that. Get it fixed. Amen. Because we have we have a lot of a number of examples where Christ had righteous anger. Yes, we do. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we aren't engaging in selfish anger or other types of anger. It, if we go there, you better be sure, lock, stock, and barrel, it's righteous. Amen. All right, Paul. Did we go back to three? Yeah, let's go back to three. For ye be sure that the Lord hath chosen to himself a godly man. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Which reminds me of Psalms 50. Gather my godly ones to me. And then he tells you who they are. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. What is that? Verse 5, I think. Psalm chapter 50, verse 5. I was just looking at the verse itself, and there's three different players in that verse. By all means, identify the players. The Lord hath chosen to himself a godly man, and we have the Lord. The Lord will hear when I call upon that godly man. So we have David saying that the Lord chose a godly man and when David calls upon that godly man, the Lord hears him. And who would he be referencing as far as the end times go? Ooh. The Lord hath chosen to himself a godly man. What what does the Greek say about that word, a godly man? (laughs) You know what the Greek says about it. Uh Uh-oh, Paul's done switching it up, buddy. He wants to know what the... Well, I'm thinking that godly man, that's somebody that probably the Greek word has reference to. Because David isn't calling out the, you know, any random God-fearing individual. Because even in his time, there were, I am sure, there were a lot of godly men, but it would seem that there's... There's something about that word chosen to himself a godly man. And in reference to end times, I'm 
I can't think of any particular player but one that's but the I can't think of a man. I'm thinking of an angel who prepares a wilderness. That's that's the only thing that I can bring up, which I'm probably completely wrong there, but But what are you seeing here, Matthew? The Greek uses the word wonderful here. That's what the Greek uses. It, it says something entirely different, Paul. Well, I mean, no, I, no, that's that's not what I meant. Uh, what did I mean? Um, well, let me just read it out of the Thompson. Uh, know that the Lord hath made his holy one wonderful. The Lord will hearken to me when I cry to him. So it, it, it and of course, uh, that's an awful loose translation. I'm not, I'm not saying that, um, you know, uh, Thompson was wrong in, in translating it that way. I'm just saying that there's a whole lot more there than anybody I would assume, but uh, normally when we ask people well, who, well, especially a Jew, they're going to tell you right out of the gates because they leave an empty place at the table for him all the time. Don't they, Paul? Oh. Um. Oh. He his uh, he wrestled with the angel all night, and his hip was disjointed. They leave a an empty spot of the table for him. Yeah, Elijah. Yes. Elijah. I mean, I know it. It, it took you a minute to to grab a hold of it, but everybody knows that. You know, John the Baptist fulfilled this role prophetically, right? Right? Yes. And uh, for a mailman, I'm really terrible with names, but I can remember stuff. <laughs> well, that's all right. But yeah. No harm in that. Um, no, I remember that. So, um, but. But your Thompson, that puts a totally different light on that whole verse. Yeah, yeah, it does. It it does, but I mean, it doesn't matter uh, which way you look at it. Now, I'm I'm not sure why you wasn't seeing it right up front, you know. But I'm glad that the Lord showed you that. Hey, He's talking about three different parties here. Yeah, he sure is, man. And you're supposed to know um, which godly man he has set apart that you're supposed to call upon. And God will listen. Now, now, look, let me ask you this. Who's God going to listen to? 
whenever you call. God is listening to the one who calls. Well, let's say you're the one calling this holy person. Is God going to listen to you, or is God going to listen to him? (laughs) Ooh. You see, I did it to you again. I pointed something out that's really kind of right there. Yeah, because my translation just says, the Lord will hear. It doesn't say which one of those two he listens to. It just says, he will hear. Uh, Can you read the Thompson again to see if that... Okay, sure, we can. Know that the Lord hath made his Holy One wonderful. The Lord will hearken to me when I cry to him. Okay. That makes it much more clear. So, the Lord hearkens to David when he calls upon the wonderful. That's right. That's right. So, (laughs) this predicate things, doesn't it? It means there's going to come a great hollow place in time. When your prayers just flat ain't going to be heard until you start crying out to this 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 wonderful one, or you know, uh, as the English or as the Masoretic text said, um, this godly one that has been set apart, which can mean only one thing: you're crying out for the end. You're hoping in your redemption. No Christians do this anymore. No Christians hope in their redemption. They hope in their retirement. You and I both know it, Paul. Paul, and would that be... Would would that be that time of testing? Well, it may... uh, You know, after the... Operation Eagle's Wings, as you like to say, and many others, um, you know, there, we know there is going to be a leader there. Yeah. Well, and I was... if we cry to him with righteousness, then God hears. Well, that's kind of exact opposite to what happened in Exodus, right? Exactly. Because the Israelites were just going to town. Everybody forgotten that that oh the Israelites never asked for no deliverer. They 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 never asked for Moses. They even got mad at him. Remember that? They got mad at him. They're like, well, who told you to deliver us? <laughs> oh, no, I know. They wanted stupid things like garlic from Egypt. I mean, 
How self-centered can you be? Let, let me ask you this, Paul. When I say 400 in the Bible, you probably immediately have things jump into your mind, right? I mean, God said it was going to be 400 years. Remember that they were going to be tested? Yes. Or going or going to Egypt, remember that? You remember that, right? And a tenth of that, 40 years in the wilderness. Yep, yep. Yep, exactamundo. I wonder if, I mean, I'm real hesitant to, to share this, but, you know, there's going to be a time coming up here really soon that concerning the 1,290 days, 400 days plays a real important part. Real important. I mean, it's so important that when I look at the timeline I've made myself, I'm sitting here looking at it, and the dates makes me sick to my stomach because, well, it just does because I'm sitting here Four. looking at it, and I can't talk to anybody about it. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at it, but I can't, I can't discuss it. So, four hundred doesn't pull anything up. Of mine, but I'm thinking 280 plus 120 is 400. Well, God told Abraham that they would be in bondage for 400 years. Yes. And the Jews, well, can I ask you this? You know, the whole reason why the Jews set a place at the table for Elijah, right? <laughs> and hoping that he comes back, right? <clears throat> um, to be honest, um, I do not. I do know that they they have that setting at Passover, um, you know, and and they usually send a child to you know to the door to see if maybe Elijah is waiting outside. But beyond that, I'll be honest. I I don't know a lot of why they're hoping Elijah shows up. Well, they are, because they know that uh, he must come before Christ, well, before their Savior gets back. Okay. Is so, it possible he's going to be the one that is going to lead in the uh, wilderness, the time of testing? I don't know. Like I said, I'm sitting here looking at the timeline, and I see the spread of 400 days. And the woman in the shape she's in now, 
I mean, look, Paul, you and I both know that by the time we get this far down the timeline, she's going to be waiting to take a flight of fancy. I mean, for the love of all that's holy, she don't even know where she's going. Literally. Because she's not going to heaven, Paul. I know, and we talked about that the other night, and that scares the living daylights out of me. Why? How can they say on the one hand, we believe the Bible, and then on the other hand, say, well... It doesn't mean what it says. I mean, I just, I don't understand how most of the church can square that in their minds. But they do. And that's what frightens and confuses me. Somehow they still do. Well, um, for instance, uh, well, your son wrote about it the other day. Um, you know, Karaj Rebellion. Moses clearly said he asked the Lord to put down Karaj in a new way that had never happened before. And it says they went alive. Straight to Hades. That's what it says. And yet, I was told not too long ago, well, no, the earth opened up and then it closed over them and they died and then they went to hell. And it's like, that's not what it says. You know, you you admit that on the one hand you want to say it's true, but on the other hand you want to deny the power of God by saying what he said didn't really happen. And that, yeah, that just, it's frustrating and um, and I don't understand it. Well, I hope that everybody realizes that, you know, just this timeline I'm looking at here. I know when I made it. I, I I made all these visual aids a long time ago. And if I would have shared this stuff back then with the people that's here right now, if I'd have shared this information with them then, they would have turned tails and run as fast as they could away from whatever I was saying. But now they're probably taking a look at that, at that timeline because I've released it, um, I don't know, last week or something. I think I shared it with everybody. 
Now, when they look at it, they're going to be like, oh, my God, now I understand the 400-day spread before Elizabeth conceals herself. When I could always see it. Where did you uh, where did you share that uh, um, picture or diagram or whatever to? Uh, did I put that on Pinterest? I think I put it on Pinterest uh, because okay. I also put it I also put it in uh, the post that I made the other day. So I'm pretty sure uh, that. Uh, my daughter would have taken that picture because I, I told her it was time. But uh, I'll look on Pinterest because I've uh, I've printed off some of your other bracket stuff on Pinterest. Right. Well, uh, yeah, it's there. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, so it's on it's on Pinterest, but I think I used it in my post I did the other day. You'd have to ask Deb. She she knows where it's at. I, I put it. <coughs> Let's see. I don't think I used that for. A YouTube video. I put it inside the post. I think it was. Well, don't. Why are you asking me? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I know I put it out the other day. It's oh, out of interest. Let me. Let me look somewhere too. Um, did I put that on Prophetico? Let me go over to Prophetico and look. Cause I think I put it inside that post. I think I did. I haven't worked at the chat for quite a while, so I don't know how current. Somebody said crown hair sewn. I don't know who guest six is. What? And said, Atara sounds like Esther. Yeah, it does. I and thought I, I put it. I have no idea what that is referencing. Oh, I know where I did it. I put it on the show notes for that uh, the show I just did, Michael Five Orion, the Sign of the Smite, twenty sixteen, on BTR. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 the show notes. Yeah, so when you bring that up, right there's the picture. Yeah, that's where I did it. I just can't I remember I did it. Find out where BTR is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I use it as the as the show notes, but um then she put it on uh, on on Pinterest because uh somebody immediately asked me about it. Well where's that picture? You ain't give it to us. Well yes I have. And then I was like, Oh well whatever. So I had Bethany uh put it on uh Pinterest or Rachel. No, maybe it was Rachel. Anyway, so now when they look at it. Two? Yeah, let's go to verse two. Very good. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame, loving vanity and seeking lies? Salah. Well, you want to talk about that? What do you think he's talking about? Um...
they're they're perverting what God says. They're perverting His glory into shame. They're loving themselves and they're speaking lies, which um, is that seeking lies or seeking flattery? Well, literally, uh, well, that 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 word is 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 really um, mainly used for vanity, like in the King James version. Okay, it means emptiness or vain, and it, it says they search out, okay, for kasab. That's kasab, what they're seeking which is um, a lie or, or um, a falsehood, you know, deceitfulness. That, that's what they chase after. And, 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 of course, we just talked about this a few minutes ago, didn't we? Well, that's, that's um, what flattery is. Somebody that tells you something that isn't true but makes you feel good. Right. Which is what the woman's going to be waiting for, or waiting on this. This ties into this. I mean, <laughs> whew. I mean, even though the woman knows, she's been told time and time and again, it ain't a good thing to want to ascend to the heights of heaven. Yet, the woman, that's exactly what she has been convinced she's going to do. I mean, there is no more vain or empty thing to seek after than that. And he just told you that, actually. I mean, he just told you that, look, he's tired of the sons of men being New Agers. I mean, that's, 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 that's the New Agers that believe you're, you're, you're going to ascend to be like God. That's all. That's not supposed to be nowhere in the church. Well, why, Paul, why do you think that all cemeteries you go to, you know those old cemeteries? Why do you think all the graves are facing east? I mean, not anymore. Now they just just get them cremated. But everybody knew they weren't going to go to heaven. They knew they were going to stand up, so they wanted all the. Graves facing east. Go to any cemetery in the United States. They're all pointed east so that the people can stand up during the resurrection when Christ gets back. <laughs> they all knew they weren't going to heaven, Paul. They knew that. To be honest, I never even knew that. You never knew that. You never knew that cemeteries faced east so that the dead can stand up and greet Christ when he gets back? No. You, you never knew that. No. Wow, that's shocking. Well, the woman now doesn't believe that. She believes she's going to go to heaven. When that's not what the Bible ever says. It says Christ is coming down here. He's coming back from heaven. Not you, not the other way around. 
And to I be mean, honest, that whole idea, how arrogant is that? Do you think when Christ comes back, he cares which way you're facing? Do you think that really matters? No, but they were simpletons. But they at least knew the truth. Yeah. They didn't want their... Look, Paul, they literally believed. They believed the Bible. And they didn't want to, you know, uh, 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 get their... Um, their heavenly body, or you know, be glorified and have to stand up, and when they stand up, have their backs facing him. They love the Lord so much that when he gives them their glorified body, they they never have to turn their back to him. And if you face the grave west, when they stand up, their back's going to be facing him. But I'm not lying to you. Go to any cemetery, any cemetery. Go to cemetery and look. Because they knew they weren't going to heaven. They they knew they weren't going to heaven. They they knew that. I mean, this stuff is new. And it took quite a while to convince the church. I mean, because back in the mid-18th century, you know, the mid-1800s, when all this crap started, it took a while because the people who said that had already been excommunicated. The reason why they come up with this idea was to try to get a following when they'd already been excommunicated from the church. I'm not lying to you. I don't, I don't have to, you ain't worth going to hell over, Paul. I'm telling you the truth. It took quite a while to convince the entire woman that, hey, man, no, that's not what's going to happen. You're going to take a flight of fancy. You're going to go to heaven. I mean, even though the parable of the ten virgins is pretty clear, you ain't <laughs> oh my goodness, you better not go get the bridegroom. No, 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 you better wait for him to come. Look. Yeah, I haven't tackled that yet. That day's going to come, but... Yeah. I mean, you have to wait on the bridegroom to come. He will come when he's ready, and then you follow him to... You join his train, right? We just talked about this the other day. And you better have oil for your lamp. And where do they go? They go to the back of the train, right? Yes. Or do you think they butt in front of uh, the bridegroom? Or do you think they butt in front of the best man? Or do you think they butt in front of, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, 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 the bridesmaid's mother? Make it a clue. No, no, no. That's why... That's why in other chapters of the Bible it says, hey, you knuckleheads, of course the living goes last. That's why the virgins with their oil lamps, they go to the back of the line. You're supposed to know all this. It's like, duh. It's like, duh. Duh. It's duh is what it is. Because this isn't what the parable of the virgins say. This is what the whole Bible says. The whole Bible says this. You'd have to be daft to believe anything else. And if you don't believe me, go to go to a cemetery, or you don't even have to do that. Can we? This is a modern age. Call the funeral home tomorrow. Call any of them and ask them. Hey, man, why do all the why are all the graves faced east? See what he says. I dare you. I dare you. <laughs> I, I mean, 
So the ramifications of what he's saying directly points to the time of the end, like we already said. We already discussed what the very what is in the opening of this, and you'll take note that uh, what I talked about in the beginning of this broadcast, Paul didn't even read it as the first verse. That was before the first verse. That was the introduction to this chapter. So, <laughs> and, and, and how in the name of the Lord can his splendor be turned into shame? Who in God's name would do this? Well, you better look around. Because Nostradamus had a clue. Nostradamus wrote all kinds of quatrains about John Calvin because he was there when John Calvin was doing what he was doing. I mean, they had to stop John Calvin from killing children. So Nostradamus was right there with him. Okay? <laughs> Look, man. I mean, how simplistic is it, man? Since when can't look? It's even common knowledge with the general population. Don't ever get into a business deal with somebody that comes out and says they're a Christian. Don't do it. That immediately means they're going to steal with you or steal from you. And like I said, I've given examples of this before. People that I knew, people I knew. That, uh, well, like I, the, the best example is Larry. He wasn't raised in church. He was raised by a university professor. So when he got to be about 30, he thought, you know, I'll, I'll just go to church. So he goes to church, and he gets to be real good friends with somebody there. They decide to go into business with one another. Huh. Larry goes to the equipment rental place because they're, uh, you know, one of their uh, – landscaping lawnmowers broke down so he had to go rent one and the bank card bounced well let's make a long story short this is that christian did to him on purpose the christian got him to go into business with him 50 50 then he emptied out all the clouds and declared bankruptcy and larry was the last one to know and it was to the point that when i met larry if you even mentioned god or the bible you were in danger because Larry had had his entire life savings, everything taken from him, reduced to ashes. He didn't even realize his partner had filed bankruptcy, waited to the last minute, took everything out of the accounts. I mean, the, per and, uh, the church, uh, that, that church that happened to Larry, and I, I'm surprised he didn't just burn it down. So, look... Don't tell me how it is that God's glory could be turned into shame. Agreed. Don't 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 go there. I uh yeah. Okay. The uh Because you know, let, let <laughs> probably the employer that I was hardest used by and most taken advantage of. 
got in church on Sunday. Well, yeah, he was once saved, always saved. And one of the employers that my wife had, um, yeah, same thing. He was... Yeah, once saved, always saved. Kicked the tires, like the fires. And they firmly believe that. I'm not picking on anybody in particular. I'm talking about the woman. I'm, I'm talking about the woman. I mean, and this, I'm talking decades ago. Nobody I know any time recent, but yeah, we, we've both been there where, you know, you know, I, I finally, I decided to give my two weeks notice and they, you know, they say, well, you know, we'll, we'll give another couple of bucks or three bucks an hour raise if you stay. And it's like, Oh, wait a minute. I was, you know, I'm the employee that I was yesterday. I worked hard for you. Why weren't you willing to say, hey, you've been doing a good job? You know, let me give back to you a little bit of what you helped me get. Oh, man. But, but no, yeah, that's, yeah, that is a heartburn issue. Christian businessmen, there are very few who, in my opinion, are upright and righteous. There are a whole lot there. A whole lot of them are going to church to network. Amen. Can they they turn his glory into shame? Oh, yeah. Because they're not there for his glory. No, they're not. Uh, Should we get on to verse 1? Yeah, let's do that, man. Um, I I, I will say this. I will say this before we move on to verse 1. Everybody might want to take a look at that phrase, how long. I'm, I'm just saying. Okay. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll read this one more time before we, we go on. Oh, ye sons of men, how long will you return my glory to shame? You love vanity and seek after leasing. Still all. First one, Paul. Well, I was just going to say, uh, how long, that means eventually there will be an end point where God will have enough. Yes, it does. Yes, it does, Paul. Okay. Um, First one. Yeah. Okay. Unless you wanted to expand there. No, that, that's, that's perfect. Okay. 
Verse 1, hear me, hear me when I call. O God of my righteousness, thou hast set me at liberty. When I was in distress, have mercy upon me and hearken unto my prayer. So, God heard. He was righteous. He called. He was in distress when he called, and God gave him freedom from that distress. But we agree that about the distress part, right? Yes. He was in David was in distress. And and we accept the we we accept the simple fact that um resoundingly resoundingly the woman has been told she's been programmed that she's never going to be in distress. Oh, I know that. Yes. And that is not true. And 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 tell me, how is it that Rakab? Okay, it was Rakab when he was Zayar. How, how could he have been enlarged when he was in distress? How 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 does that work in the Hebrew exactly? Even though I, I I mean even though I, I know that's I mean enlarged is that part of that phrase has set me at liberty? Has yes. enlarged me when I am in distress. Okay. Well that's that's one way to put it. Uh you know, the, the, the King James Version says, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress, have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. New American Standard Bible says, you have relieved me in my distress. But the Hebrew word is not relieved. It's, it's to get big. It's hakab. It's to enlarge, be made wide, make room. It, it, it means get big. Look, the New American Standard Bible is clearly in error here. Clearly. Uh in this instance, it's the King James Version that has it right on right on target. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. In distress, you made me bit. But if you reject that you're ever going to be in distress, how could you ever be enlarged? Paul, can you, can you explain that one to me? Exactly. Please. No, and that's um, that's the other thing. We look at many places around the world where literally in the Middle East, Christians are losing their heads right now. We're told that we will undergo trials and tribulations. Why would it seem 
proper that everything's going to be perfect and we're just going to be snatched up to heaven when when it never says that and we can look at what's happening right now and we're not even in those times and we see Christians suffering horrible persecutions. Yeah. But distress makes us larger in his sight, makes us, well, As we're perfected through distress, we are, we become greater and therefore look larger or have more stature. Amen. Amen, Paul. I'm just. Just kind of grasping at straws there. I don't know if you had a better way to put that, but no, that was that was pretty good, man. I mean, we're not going to debate about what it says. I mean, it, it says what it says. And although we're going through that. growing growth period through this stress. We're still going to call out and say, you know, because nobody likes pain. You know, have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. Because We know in the end, you know, no pain, no gain, but honestly, nobody likes pain. And nobody ever thinks that they'll be enlarged during that time. But I will tell you this. Enlarged there... Well, that exact phrase is only in one other verse in the Bible. That I know. Isaiah 57, verse 8. I I don't think I know, Paul. I'm I'm, I'm telling you what it says. Why don't you flip over there and, and take a read at that? Because don't be surprised if you hear references to he pointed out to you that this chapter ended it. Remember, I brought that up, that it's a wonderful thing to be able to lie down and sleep in peace. Don't be surprised if you see something here in this verse that's from the beginning to the end. Here, let me rephrase that. In the verse you're going to look at, I already know what it says. Isaiah 58, which verse? 
57, verse 8. 57, 8. Okay. Don't be surprised if it if if this verse has elements that's in the beginning of Psalms chapter 4 and the end of Psalms chapter 4. Anyway. Isaiah 57, yep. Isaiah 57, verse 8. Behind the doors also and post hast thou set up thy remembrance, for thou hast discovered thyself to another than me, and wentest up and didst enlarge thy bed and make a covenant between thee and them, and lovest their bed in every place where thou sawest it. And you know, the verse right before that, it mentions about that supreme vanity of think you're going to heaven. By the way, I, I know what this whole chapter is about. But it's about somebody most of the church doesn't think it's about if they've ever even read it before. But it's 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 pretty important. Um, this spiel, and everybody needs to know that you can't read Psalms the fourth chapter without understanding Isaiah chapter fifty-seven. You can't. It'll just confuse you. So, uh, well, and that's. A- that's the same word in uh, verse 57 and large as they used for uh, uh, <laughs> oh I'm looking for the word in uh, Psalms 4 uh Amen. Liberty has yes. set me at liberty. Yes, liberty. Well, Paul, let's uh, let's shut this one down, shall we? I think we've been on here about two hours, ain't we? Yep, pretty close. I've got uh, four minutes short of two hours, so yeah, we're right there. All righty then. I guess uh, I'll pray, since how uh, JMG's not here anymore. Um, I think I'll pray. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Dear Heavenly Father, whom I serve through the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son and my Savior, I pray that you might fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we might be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Dear Lord, I humbly ask that you uh, take care of all of our family's needs. Keep your promises to her. And I pray that at least tonight you let her lie down and sleep in peace. And I pray that you might make her to dwell in safety. No matter what she thinks, what she thinks does not matter. It's what you have said that will be. 
I pray that you bless her coming week. I pray that she might endeavor to spread just a little bit of your glory this week. In any way, shape, form that she can. May she keep her eyes on the center of your back, no matter where it is you're leading. May she follow. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray your Son, Father, and our Savior. Amen and amen. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for another Biblicating the Bride. Good stuff, man. I had a blast. We didn't even talk about anything that deep, but I'm glad we did. And one thing's for sure, we talked about it from one end to the other. Amen? Amen. All right. Everybody, good night. God bless. Godspeed.